You may be seated. Good to have you all here tonight, and welcome to all those at home still joining with us. Our first Wednesday of the uh, fall is upon us, and we have, uh, I believe, seven people or so that are still seven. Eight. We have grown. Eight people who are getting baptized tonight. Excited about that. I'm going to ask those guys to set the timer, 30 minutes. Don't start it until our guest speaker comes up. Because I'm eating into his time. and He's stressed out enough that it's just 30 minutes. So uh, uh, just uh, encourage you, those who like to give offerings on Wednesday night, we certainly appreciate that. People come, they love to give unto God. Uh, here, you can do it at the, uh, there's buckets on the way out, or you can do it by phone. What you do is you send a text to the following number. All you people at home, pick up your phones. Those of you sitting here, do the same. And you're going to send a text to this number, 77977. That's the number you're texting to, 77977. And then in the message, you're going to put CCWI and the amount that you would like to give. And we appreciate you for your continued faithful service. No one has reset the clock. Let's, let's start this again. Reset the clock. Who's controlling the clock? Tim. Where's Tim? We love Tim. This place would fall apart without Tim. Where is he? Really, none of you know how to run the clock except Tim. I know how to run the clock, but I'm up here talking. Maybe I'll go back there and do it. There is Tim. Give Tim a hand. All right. Good to have everybody here. Um, I, uh, we have a special guest tonight. Uh, several months ago. When was it? January. January. In the midst of absolutely freezing, miserable weather, we went to Minnesota <laughs> and, uh, and had an event at a church there. It was a fabulous event. Probably one of the best we've had all year. What were there, 1,800 people there or something like that? It was like crazy. I mean, it was packed to the gills. They had to rent out at the... Uh, Local convention center, yeah, and just jammed the place to the walls and had a blast and uh, got to know the pastor and his wife. And it didn't take long before we thought, these are our kind of people. And we've been talking back and forth. And finally, a couple of weeks ago, I said, hey, why don't you come on a Wednesday? Kind of know we can get them on a Wednesday night, right? Hard on Sunday morning. And he said, yeah. So they're here. We've been hanging out for the last couple of days, having a lot of fun. You'll enjoy him. He's going to minister to us. And then... We're going to go into our time of baptism. So open your hearts, and let's give a big, warm Wisconsin welcome to Doug Vagley. 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 Thank you. And Becky's, Becky's, hello, 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 hello. <laughs> Becky's been relegated to carrying stuff. Here right. we are. <laughs> Work on our volunteer department. Anyway, yeah. I've, I've, been, I've been calling him Vagel. For months, since, since we met him. They thought it was a joke. We said, no, we really think your name is Vagel. No, it's Vogley. Vogley. So, Pastor Vogley, minister to us. Thank All you, right. sir. Thank you, Mr. Gunger. It's an honor to be here. Hey, I am so excited to be able to be here. And, uh, you know, there are three huge things happening in my life right now. The first one is that I get to be here. It has been so fun to be with uh, Mark and Deanna, and they're just so wonderful to us. I just have to say that uh, 13 years ago, I heard about this hilarious video, and it was about two brains, and I watched it. I have used it in my service. I've, I've, I've 
used it for so many sermons. Um, I bought a whole bunch of these DVD things, Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage. Never knew who this guy was. And uh, so anyways, anytime anybody came to me with marriage problems, I'm like, just watch this DVD. It'll fix it, right? And then I was like, oh, you want to get married? Just watch this DVD set. It'll, it'll help you out. And so I'd hand them out. So officially, Mark's been working for me now for 13 years <laughs> as one of our counselors on staff at our church. But uh, honestly, it was a huge, um, huge dream of mine to have uh, him come and do something live in our community. And so it was so fun. So it's an honor for me to be here tonight. Secondly, uh, is, is that uh, starting at midnight tonight, another big event, is that it is my 26-year wedding anniversary with my wife Peggy there. And uh, so... I just felt like it was appropriate to have a little Mark Gunger move of this or something like that. I can't do it nearly as well, and we'll just see what we can do. So anyways, it's our anniversary. The third thing is that I am in Packer country, and my wife and I have never been to Green Bay. We've never been to Green Bay. So one of you almost clapped for that. I'm from Minnesota, man. And so there are two things in Minnesota that are guaranteed to get a laugh from my church and my pulpit. One is when I joke about cats, because either you love them or you hate them. So a, a cat joke always goes over really well. The second one is any Packers joke always is a home run from my pulpit. And so I brought a little Minnesota humor here. And so one of my favorite slides that I've shown before is behind me. And here you'll see this. You can't fix <laughs> stupid. Wow, you you guys are a highly offensive group, but uh, you got to admit, no matter where you're from, that's good stuff, and that will get a, that's funnier than you think if you let it just minister to your heart, but uh, anyways, I am an equal opportunity offender, so I actually have a Minnesota joke as well that I'll, I'll send your way, and that is that Minnesota finally came up with a cure for COVID. This is a really great thing. We have cured COVID in Minnesota. What we did was we distributed a bunch of Minnesota Vikings masks, and when you put them on, you're guaranteed not to catch anything. <laughs> that, right? Now I'm home. We are your people. We're here. So, okay, 2020 has been a really interesting year. How many of you would say that? This is the first Wednesday of the first Wednesday that you're back, right, since COVID. And uh, so we have been like walking on eggshells this entire year. It's been kind of an interesting 2020. I remember thinking 2020 vision. It's going to be the greatest year in all of history. All of these things, the best is yet to come. And then 2020. So anyways, there's a few things. Again, I know that pictures say a thousand words. And so I just want to see if any of this sums up kind of 2020 to some of you. The first picture on the screen is this. If 2020 was a slide, doesn't that seem what it would kind of, if we could describe this year in picture. The second picture is this. If 2020, it's me in 2019, be like in 2020, hitting an iceberg going down, man. Life is totally different. Okay, the third one is this, and that is, ah, yes, a nice cup of 2020 right in the eyes, all right? The fourth one is this. This is important. You guys will remember this. Marty, whatever happens, don't go back to 2020, ever. Don't go there. Just stay away. Okay, this guy, let me see if you recognize him. Number five, but wait, there's more. You guys know who he is? He's the infomercial guy. I have everything this guy's ever sold because wait, there's more. And he comes back and as soon as he says that he will double the offer, I'm in. So anyways, okay, that one wasn't so great. But anyways, we'll just scratch that and pretend like it never existed. The sixth one is if it was a swing. That would be fun, right? And I'll just say, before you put up this last one, this last one, if I could personally, personally have a picture that describes me and my dreams and my hopes for 2020 and what it looks like now, it would be this next picture. Go ahead. My plans. 
versus my life, man. It's been a rough year. It has been a really rough year, but uh, I'll tell you what, it is truly an honor to be here with you on this first Wednesday of the first Wednesday, and uh, we're going to dive in a little bit. 2020 has taken an emotional toll on all of us. Now, all joking aside in all pictures, just kind of having fun with it, how many of you would say 2020 has been a difficult year so far? It, it, it has. Everyone in this place has. And, uh, you know, you think about it, the toll that it's taken emotionally on us. We have had so many things. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and say, this is the first time America has been in crisis, or we've walked through anything difficult. Listen, there have been much farther difficult times than what we're in right now, but that doesn't negate from the reality of what we have been walking through as a nation, as a state, as a city, as a church, as families, as we walk through these things. And I was thinking about this triangle of things that we've dealt with. The first one is in this trifecta is COVID, and COVID has been a big deal, and there's been issues and, and so much stress and tension that comes with it. Then you add in the next part of that trifecta, and that that would be politics. Dear Lord, either come quickly or help this be done soon, right? Because that has added a whole new world of tension and turmoil. And then you add in the race things that, again, need to be talked, but there are so many cultural and race things that have added into that tension. And it feels like we are living in a world that's just ready to explode. It feels like the tension is there. And one of the things I've noticed as we've walked through all of these things, along with just the regular pressures that come through life. Just the things that you and I face in normal life. As we walk through all of these added things is I've noticed in people's lives that cracks turn into craters. That if there was a crack in something, whether it was a, a, a business or a church or a family or, or something in, in, in your armor, in your life, it seems like with the added pressure and the added weight that we've had to carry throughout this last year, we've seen cracks that have turned into craters. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. I want to talk to you about how you can save the cracks from turning into craters by catching them early. Now, when you think of your vehicle, I'm assuming that everybody drove here uh, tonight. And when you think about it, or even if you're watching online, you drove to wherever you are. And, and so in that vehicle, there is a check engine light. How many of you in this place would be honest enough with me to say, we're all family in here, right? Now that I made fun of the Vikings, we're all like this, right? So anyways, uh, how many of you would be honest enough to say that in my vehicle, when I drove to church tonight, there is a warning or a check engine light on my dash? How many would just lift it up? Be proud. Don't be ashamed. It's, the rest of you, there's a bunch of you that are lying and we'll deal with that. He's going to preach on lying on Sunday and convict you all. So deal with it with the Lord before he has to deal with it on Sunday. So anyways, but think about it. As you think about check engine lights, they're in a car for a reason. They were put there by the creator, by the maker, and they're warning lights. We have warning lights in all different kinds of things that we own. And sometimes we think that warning lights are just kind of like, well, we'll just kind of ignore those warning lights. I know I do. I have uh, three kids at home, grown kids, and they all have vehicles. So there are five vehicles. And of those cars, I was thinking about it, three of them have warning lights in their vehicles right now. They are active warning lights. And so most of the time, it's like you just wait and ignore the warnings until you break down on the side of the road. And then it's like, I need to get towed. I need to get this fixed. I need to do this. And so as we think about this, I want to talk about two kinds of maintenance. There is preventative maintenance in our lives and in things that we own. And then there's emergency maintenance. One way or another, it's going to get done. And most of the time, it doesn't get done till we are broken down on the side of the road. So we're going to look at this a little bit. We're going to look at three things tonight 
We're going to look at the three parts that make us up. We're going to look at emotional warning signs, physical warning signs, and spiritual warning signs tonight as we kind of dig in. So Lord, I pray that tonight that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts. God, I pray that you would make us aware of things, Lord, in our lives that we can take and turn towards you. Lord, I pray that you would speak life and encouragement into this great group of people, those that are watching in other locations, Lord, tonight. I pray that they would sense, Lord, your word speaking to them, Lord God, a word of encouragement, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So the title of my sermon tonight is It Is Well. And you can completely change the meaning of a phrase, right, by the inflection of your voice or your body language. And so for some, it might be like, it is well, like it's a declaration. For others, it's more of like a, a, a declarative statement, like it is well, like is it really well? I, I'm not sure if it's well, and we can say that, and only you and God know. And so tonight what I want to do is look into our hearts a little bit, look at those warning lights that have been given to us so that we can catch these things when they're cracks before they get to craters, so that we can stop before we have an emergency on the side of the road. And so the first one is we want to take a look at, are you doing well emotionally? That is only a question that you can answer. It's a question that you don't have to answer. I'm not going to make you respond or, or anything like that. I, I, I'm just going to ask you that question. How are you doing emotionally? Again, the toll of this year has been great. The, the, the tension of this year has been great. The weight that people have carried emotionally has been huge. And so, so many of us, we are on an emotional roller coaster as we go through this year. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22 says, A cheerful heart is like good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up bones. Let me say that again. A cheerful heart is like good medicine. And it says, but a crushed spirit, it's like it dries up the bones. And so what happens is, is, is that we can kind of tell how we're feeling. We can tell when we're feeling a little brittle emotionally. And life can be an emotional roller coaster. And I'm not talking about just a bad day. I'm talking about like a bad season and the ups and the downs and what you're feeling. So I have a test for you that is a good test to be able to know where someone is doing emotionally. And I call this... The Walmart check. If you go into Walmart and you see someone down an aisle that is a life giver, okay? Now remember this, there are two kinds of people in your world, life givers and life suckers, right? And so the life givers, when you are walking through Walmart and you see someone that will give you life, you will go out of your way to go down just to say hi, just to be able to greet that person for a moment because it's so great to see them. On the flip side, if you see a life sucker, you go the opposite way and don't even pretend like you're so spiritual that you have never done that, right? Again, the sermon on lying is coming on Sunday, so deal with it between the Lord now, all right, before it gets ugly. But think about that. You see people and you either go towards them because they're life givers or you're like, oh man, I don't have the emotional capacity or energy to talk to this person right now and you go the other way. Now, can I turn it back on each of us and say this? If people are running from you in Walmart, you might not be emotionally healthy, all right? If you're like, I don't understand. I never see anyone that I know. It's like a ghost town when I go down an aisle. Now, just think about that, though. Like, it, the things that we do, even if we might not admit or know whether we are emotionally healthy, people around us can sense it. They can kind of know. And so we're on this emotional roller coaster. We do feel, uh, and we are emotional beings. And so how do we deal with this? I want to look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 9. I love how Paul writes this out. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. Those are pretty big words, Paul. 
Like, don't be anxious about anything. And then he says, but in every situation, he gives us this instruction. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So the first thing you do is say, I have a need. And sometimes that's really hard. The first person to say that we have a need, it's, it's very difficult to come out of our mouths. But we come to the Lord and we say, you know what, God? I have a need. So he says, bring me every anxiety. Bring me every anxious thought. Bring me everything that you have, every situation. Come to me. And then when you come to him, look what it says. I love this. This is one of my favorite verses in scripture. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's a peace that comes from God that makes no human understanding whatsoever. Like you can be walking through a really difficult and a dark time, and yet God's presence is with you and you can sense him. And there is a peace that floods your soul that makes no sense based on the circumstances. And when you've experienced it, you never forget it. It's those times when God shows up. And so he's just giving us this formula that says this. He goes, just, just bring me your needs, bring me your anxieties. And another verse, it says, cast your cares on me, for I care for you, right? And, and so you bring these things, and then it says, and the peace of God, which transcends understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so once you've given it and you've received that peace that you don't even understand, then it says this. So finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What's he trying to say? Get rid of your stinking thinking. Get rid of those bad thoughts. Get rid of the stuff that just weighs you down. You look at this and he tells you what we're supposed to dive into. What's true, what's noble, what's right, what's pure, what's lovely. I want to tell you, if you want to stay and follow that list, don't turn on your television until after November 4th because you won't get any of that stuff. There is nothing true or noble or right or pure or lovely. What it does is it fuels our frustration and it fuels our anger. It, and so you have to put away CBS, it doesn't matter, NBC, ABC, Fox, or even Sin. I, I mean, CNN. It, I always say it wrong. I feel so bad when I say it wrong. But uh, you have to turn that stuff off and it says, fill yourself up with these things. And then the last verse is, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice in the God of peace. This is a promise. The God of peace will be with you. He promises that he will be with you. And so the question is, what's stressing you out? When you identify it, when you say, it's my finances, it's my family, it's my friends, it's my work, it's insecurity, it's all these things not knowing about the future, what does it say to do? It says, bring those to him. How can you invite God into your situation that you're facing right now instead of trying to carry that on your own? The second thing is, how well are you doing physically? It amazes me how much the emotional and the physical go hand in hand throughout life. And when you're not doing well in one, maybe you're not doing as good in the other, and they go hand in hand. So how are you doing physically? Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. How many of you who are weary and burdened? We have all through 2020, been weary and burdened by something. Life has just been taxing. And it says this, and I will give you rest. I love this. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and I'm humble at heart. And you will find, this is my favorite, rest for your souls. Think about that. That's different than physical rest. Right? You can go to sleep at night and log in some hours of six, seven, eight, even nine hours if you're really trying to rest your body. But this is talking about a rest from your souls when you partner with God. 
when you take his yoke upon you, is, is easy. So it says this, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There is a different thing than a physical rest that comes from an emotional and a spiritual rest. And we were created to do that. The definition of recuperate is this, to recover from sickness or exhaustion, to regain health and strength, or to restore to health and vigor. So when you recover from something, you need to, to, to find that place of rest from your sickness or exhaustion. God created us to slow down. God created us to regenerate. God created us to revive ourselves. Do you know that Time Magazine a number of years ago said this? 75 to 90% of all primary care doctor visits are stress-related. Can you imagine that? A majority of the reason why people go to their primary care doctor is for stress-related reasons. Three out of four people have said that they deal with great stress on a weekly basis. Great stress. It's probably even higher now. Those were pre-COVID stats. So what's the answer? What I love is that scripture gives us answers. It doesn't just uh, get our problems, but we bring our problems to him. And one of the answers goes way back into the old covenant in the second book of the Bible in Exodus chapter 20, where this was given, this rule, six days you shall labor and do your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God, and on it you shall not do any work. Now think about this. This is interesting because if you go back to the book of Genesis, when God created the, the heavens and the earth, on the seventh day he rested and he stepped back to just enjoy the creation that he had made. Now think about that. This is God of the universe. He was not limited with like, man, I'm telling you, on Thursday I was so exhausted. I didn't think I was gonna, on Friday, get, I mean, creating the fish was harder than I thought. You know I mean? He didn't, he didn't like go through and like, I'm exhausted. No, he stepped back intentionally to teach you and I a lesson from our creator that said this, that you need to take time and you need to Sabbath, that you need to take care of yourself because when you do that, you not only are taking care of yourself physically, but actually emotionally and spiritually all together in this beautiful thing that God created. So they take this very seriously. One year ago today, Peg and I were with a group from our church that we took over to Israel. And we were there, and tomorrow uh, in the calendar last year, October 8th, starts uh, the, the holiday Yom Kippur. And this is the Sabbath of all Sabbaths. This is the Shabbat of all Shabbats. And uh, we were at this hotel, and all of Jerusalem shuts down. Interstates are shut down. It was absolutely amazing to us to see the reverence that they said when they shut everything down. And uh, I was in this uh, elevator, and we were up on the eighth floor, and I was going down to the lobby, and I get in this elevator, and all the buttons are just blinking. And I'm like, what in the world? And the door shuts, and I go down to seven. It opens. It shuts. I go down to six. And I'm like, what in the world? This stupid elevator is broken. I'm sitting here. It's going to take me 10 minutes just to get down to the first floor. I get down to the first floor, and I get to the desk, and I say, I think your elevator is broken because it took me to every floor. And he's like, oh, you were in our Shabbat elevator. On the Sabbath, they actually make it go to every floor up and down continually so that you don't push a button and exert and do that work. So that is some serious stuff going on right there that I learned a lesson the hard way. But uh, anyways, you, you look at that. The, we were created the Sabbath. God created it that way. He did it. He demonstrated it, not because he needed it. He showed us that, you know what, you need to step back. So think about this. Taking care of ourselves physically. What, what is the Sabbath? I'll tell you this. Sabbath is taking a day a week to remind myself that I didn't make the world and it will continue to exist without me. 
That's so good, I'm going to read it again. Sabbath is taking a day of the week to remind myself that I did not make the world and that it will continue to exist without my efforts. It's saying, God, I trust you to run the world today. And somehow you're going to be able to do it without me. Sabbath is a day when my work is done, even when it isn't. Sabbath is a day when my job is to enjoy, period. Sabbath is a day when I'm fully available to myself and to those that I love most. Sabbath is a day when I remind myself that I'm not a machine. Sabbath is a day when at the end of the day with no guilt, I can say, I didn't do anything today. Because Jesus wants to heal our souls. He wants to give us that shalom peace of God so that we have to stop, we have to slow down, we have to sit still and we have to stare out the window and let the engine come to an idol and we have to listen to what our inner voice is saying. Sometimes when our engine is revved up so high, we can't hear. Just last week, I was mowing the lawn, actually, a couple days before this trip. I was trying to go through leaves and mulch things, and the mower's high. And one of my daughters came out and wanted to tell me something. And my first pass, I was like, I can't hear you, you know, went around, came back again. I had to step off the mower. I had to pull it and idle it back because you can't hear. Sometimes we're running so hard, we're missing hearing the actual voice of God because we're running, running, running. So we have to stop. We have to slow down. So the last part is this. Are you well spiritually? Are you well spiritually? It's really easy to get what I call to be a crusty Christian. Super easy to be a a, a crusty Christian. One of the things that I do on occasion, one of the gauges that we were given that warning light is what I like to call a fruit check. And I look at this fruit check in my life in Galatians chapter 5 and I look at these fruits and how am I doing with love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of these different things. And when I go down the list and I want to say, okay, how is my COVID checklist treating me right now? How am I doing on these? And I'm saying, love, I'm doing all right in that. Uh, Joy, I hate people. Uh, Peace, I hate people. Patience, I hate people. Kindness, I hate people. And when you go down the list, the warning light's saying, all right, you got to bring it back to center. You're off a little bit. That's the fruit. Jesus said we would be identified. We'd be known by our fruit. We were said, how will you know you're my disciples? By your love for one another. And so it starts with these things, and these fruits are things that we do. So how do we come back? How do we come back spiritually? Where do we do? We come back in our heart. Psalm 51 in closing says this, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions and wash away all my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you. You only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desire faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in the secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Listen to this. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Isn't it interesting? What does the Bible say is our strength? The joy of the Lord is our strength. And David, who had been crushed because of his sins and his iniquities, and yet he trusted and his heart was soft, 
And, 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 and he continued in this journey with him. He, he, he remembered where it was and he said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. I am so excited to be able to be here and be a part of these baptisms tonight, to hear eight people talk about the joy of their salvation. This, this should be one of the greatest celebrations that a church ever gets to be a part of celebrating stories. And you know what it does for me? Every time I watch somebody get baptized, it reminds me of my journey. It reminds me of, of, of where I came from. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Renew a right spirit in me. Tonight that can happen as you take a trip down memory lane and you say, I remember when Jesus got a hold of my heart. I remember, and what, you know what it does? It softens us. It softens us. It's kind of like when you go to a wedding and, and, and you hear a, a new couple doing their wedding vows and it brings you back to that place in your heart when you remember those vows you made. When you see a baby dedication or you see a, a new family has a baby and you remember what those things were like, they bring you back. And tonight we get to go back. Because again, Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And so tonight, in closing for the fifth time, <laughs> I feel like I have free reign because they never got the ticker going. So there's no, there, there's no two-minute warning. There's no anything. So I don't even have a clue where I am in this whole thing. But uh, wrapping, <laughs> wrapping it up in this. Hey, there's a clock back there. I just saw it. You just made that number up to get me off the stage. All right. So, okay. I was looking at the wrong clock. Okay, here we go. That was on me. So if we look at this in closing, right, what are we doing? I was thinking about when things aren't so well. You know how I said, is it well with your soul? And then we all have times, we all have these uh, things where it's not so well with our soul. You know, and one of the things we have to learn in our faith is it's okay sometimes to not be okay. To, to admit that, you know what, I, I don't know that things are well with my soul. Sometimes that's keeping that heart soft. Above all else, guard your heart right? And it's okay sometimes to say, you know what? I'm not well. And that's why I need to check some of these gauges going on inside of me and God can do a work. But if we're only well when things are going really well in our life, then we're not really living much of a faith journey. It's not hard for me to serve the Lord when everything's just clicking and gelling and going just perfect. Where it takes more faith is when things aren't going so well. And it's when you get through those storms and those seasons and those times of life where you walk through some of the most difficult seasons and you say, God, you showed up. I, I call it rearview faith mirror, like faith, where, where you're driving through a storm and you get through and you look back and you say, how did I get through that storm? And when your faith is built, it's a powerful thing. And there are times in our life when it's really not okay. And we're not feeling like we're in that place. And so the next few verses in Philippians 4 that I talked about, they say this. Paul wraps it up after saying all that stuff, whatever's true, whatever's noble, do all this. And he says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty, and I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Think about this. Is it well only when your circumstances are going well? See, our job is just to take care of ourselves emotionally, physically, spiritually, to check those gauges. And when those are clicking and when we're able to do that, we're able to push through in this journey that we're all in and walk through some of the most difficult times of life because you never know when they're coming. 
That's not meant to be a discouragement. That's meant to be, how do you walk through the storms in your life? Well, you start with some preventative maintenance and making sure you check those gauges and you're ready and you're prepared. Maybe you've heard the beautiful hymn. I don't know how many have heard it, but it says, when peace like a river attendeth my way. Think about this. When sorrows like sea billows roll. It says, whatever the lot thou hast taught me to say. What's the next? It is well, it is well with my soul. When you sing a song like that, do you just feel a sense of peace when you reach out towards God? When you worship him, when you turn your affection towards him, when you say, you know what? It's well with my soul. Before I pray with you tonight, I want to close with this story. The author of that song, maybe some of you have heard it, but his name was Horatio G. Spafford. And he was born in 1828. He was a Presbyterian layman from Chicago. And he was a very successful lawyer and had a legal practice. He had bought up property all, all throughout Chicago. He was a, a great friend with uh, the, the great evangelist Dwight L. Moody, D.L. Moody. And here he was and, and, uh, in the fire of 1871 in Chicago. He lost almost all of his property. Back in that day, there wasn't insurance and things like we have now. He lost almost everything. Even crazier than that, before that fire, a short time before that, he had actually lost a son to sickness. And so he had walked through a lot. He had lost a, a boy. He had lost all of his finances and all of his resources. And so he kind of recouped. And a few years later, in the fall of 1873, he was going to go to Great Britain, and he was going to take a European trip with his family his wife and his four daughters, and they had tickets on this ship. And right as they were getting ready to leave on this trip, he found out that he had some business that he had to attend to. And so he said, you guys go on and I'll join you in a few days. They went off and they thought everything was going to be great. And on November 27th, the ship that his wife and that his four daughters were on was hit by an English vessel called the Lochern. And within 12 minutes, that ship went down into the ocean. 12 minutes. Now think about it back then. They didn't have the cell phones or the communications. And I'm sure that he got news that this ship went down. And it was days later when, when Mrs. Spafford, along with the other survivors, were actually brought to Wales. And when they were brought to Wales, she actually sent him and cabled her husband a message that said, saved alone. Saved alone. His four daughters had gone down with that ship and the story says that Spafford left immediately to join his wife. And as he was on another ship heading to that place to meet his wife, that ship slowed down in respect as it went over the spot where their sister ship had sunk just recently. And it was at that moment as that ship slowed down its engines to go over that place where he had lost his four daughters that he penned this famous hymn, that he, he penned these words. Now put that into perspective with the story he wasn't on vacation in Europe with his family, living his best life, and they had just had the most glorious dinner and the greatest night out as a family, and his cup was so full, and I'm going to write a, a, a song out of the abundance of my heart. It was in brokenness as he stood on the edge of a ship looking out over the edge. Now think of this, and he said, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. You know, it's so hard to say that when we're walking through difficulties, but can I also say 
Those are the times when God shows up and he shows off. How many of you in this place tonight would say, I've walked through something before that I didn't know how I was gonna make it to the other side, but all I know is God showed up and he delivered me and he got me through. Just lift up your hand if that resonates with your heart. Look at that. That's the testimony. That's where we meet him in a real and in a dynamic way. I'd love to pray with you tonight. Lord, tonight I don't know everybody's stories. I don't know where they come from. I don't know what they're facing. I don't know what obstacles and hurdles they're up against right now. We know, Lord, that the world that we live in, there's a lot of tension. Lord, it feels like we might be walking on eggshells. It feels like we don't know what lies ahead in the weeks and months that are ahead. But what we do know is you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. God, I pray that this evening, as we've heard from your word, Lord, I pray that if there are those in this place that have needs, that they would bring them to you. God, your word says just bring them. And so tonight, Lord, we identify those areas of need in our lives and we bring them to you and ask you, God, to give us a peace that surpasses all of our human understanding in this place. Lord, for some in this place tonight, maybe they need to check some of those gauges. And Lord, your, your, your spirit is drawing them and speaking to their hearts about, Lord, them emotionally or physically or spiritually, or maybe it's all of them together. Lord God, would you align us with you? Would you, Lord, allow us to know through the wisdom of your spirit what those things are that we can address as their cracks before they become craters? Lord, would you give us your wisdom? Your word says you give us wisdom. And lastly, I pray for those in this place tonight as we go into a time of, of celebrating baptisms. Lord, I pray that your spirit would encourage us. And maybe for some in this place, they need to go back to the joy of their salvation. God, I pray that you'd renew a right spirit in me. I pray that as we remember the sacrifice that you've made and the, the grace that you've offered, Lord, we thank you that we see that in a bountiful way in our lives, but also we see it and we celebrate with those that have made commitments to you and are following you, Lord God, in the waters of baptism. So Lord, would you renew in our own hearts our relationship with you? So Lord, we invite you into our hearts and our lives in this night that we have together. And through that, would you speak life and encouragement into each of our hearts, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Amen. <clears throat> Thank you, Pastor Doug. Peggy, good to have you guys with us. These people are amazing. They're just great, great people. I'm sure we'll see them again. Uh, um, we, yesterday, we took them up uh, north, as if this isn't north enough here, and, uh, and did some ATVing. It was gorgeous, gorgeous up there. By the, by the way, you mentioned the Chicago fires. The very same night of the Chicago fires, there was a fire in Peshtigo, Wisconsin, it was the deadliest fire in American history. 300 people died in the Chicago fire. Almost 2,500 died in the Peshtigo fire. But all you ever hear about is Chicago because Bear fans are just awful people down there. Just, you know, just, you know, forget about us up here. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, uh, we got uh, some people getting baptized. Where are my people getting baptized? Have you come up here and line up right here, please? Oh, y'all, give them a hand. 
Yes, 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 there they are. All the girls and you. Dude, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Anyway, praise the Lord, we are so glad that you guys are making this step of faith tonight. It's a very special time. Uh, the way that we uh, look at baptism here at uh, Celebration Church, uh, there seem to be two extremes in churches today. One is a very extreme thing that, you know, if you're baptized when you're a baby, then you're automatically saved, and we, we just don't go that far. Then you got the other side that kind of dismiss baptism. You know, a lot of evangelicals just say, well, it's just an outward sign of an inward work. Well, we don't go that far either. We believe that something really special happens when you get baptized. This is something holy. God shows up. This is a major event in the life of a believer. When you make that this step and proclaim to the world, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And we're just going to expect that God is going to do this wonderful sacrament in all of your hearts and lives. A moment that you will just never forget. And it'll really bless your life and help you as you move forward in your faith. Now, what we're going to do together is I'm going to have you all recite uh, the Apostles' Creed with me. We normally recite it, we believe in God and stuff as a congregation. It was originally written, I believe in God. And we're going to say it that way. We'll put the words up there. Uh, this is one of the first things recorded in uh, Christian history, other than the scriptures. And one of the first things actually recorded 2,000 years ago was this creed. And that's why so many churches still use this thing. But it was strictly used in the beginning for people being baptized. This, and these are the people who are the converts of the apostles and stuff. So this is early on stuff. It was never recorded in scripture, but it's replete in history all over the place. They took this creed and they would say that before they took their act of baptism. And it's a confession of what we believe as believers and trusting in Jesus. So let's all stand together and we can all do this together as they make this profession of their faith. Up on the screens, here we go. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, my Lord, who for me and for my salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, so that's what we're going to do. You guys can go over there and line up and get ready to be baptized. Who's doing the dunking tonight? Ben and Phil, give them a hand as they come on up. The rest of you can be seated. Our uh, campus at uh, Stevens Point, you guys can be released uh, uh, as we're kind of done here. We're going to keep the video stream rolling, though, if you'd like to continue to watch all of you at home, watch and celebrate with us as these people are uh, taking this wonderful step of baptism tonight. Amen.
Let's all stand together. We're closing a word of prayer. Father, we are so grateful for these people who have made their profession of faith. Let your Holy Spirit fall upon them, empower them, and continue to guide and lead them as they choose to follow and serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Great. God bless you guys. See you Sunday.